Turn your Bibles, if you will. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 37 to start out with. As you're turning there, Brother Ken was sharing with me this morning. You know, we've been talking about forgiveness. He said, my wife is amazing. He said, she can forgive me even when I'm innocent. He also shared that when he was younger, he said, he, he said I would pray every night that God would give me a bike. He said, then I realized that God doesn't work that way. He said, the next day I went out and stole a bike and asked for forgiveness instead. But that's kind of how it is, isn't it? So this morning, uh, last week, we actually uh, started to consider uh, forgiveness in action, right? We've been, we've been going over the last few weeks looking at forgiveness, defining it, what it is, what it's not. And last week, we, we started looking at forgiveness in action. What does forgiveness look like in real-life situations? What does it look like in real-life circumstances? And we looked into God's Word, and we found what I believe one of the greatest examples of forgiveness, and that's in the life of this young man named Joseph, the life of Joseph. So let's review just real quick of what kind of we went over last week. And we, we started in Genesis 37, read at verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was, was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad rapport of them to his father. Now Israel, Jacob, loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age, and also he made him a coat of many colors. But when his brothers saw that his father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more for it. So he said to them, Please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There we were, binding sheaves in the field, then behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright. And indeed, your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream. And he told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So last week we kind of looked at the first thing uh, we needed to see was, you know, the time of Joseph's preparation. The time of his preparation. Joseph was given the gift of interpreting dreams and visions. However, he wasn't quite spiritually mature in his walk. He needed to learn temperance. He needed to learn, you know, some self-control before God could use him in a real and mighty way. He was sold into slavery by his brothers, and uh, he ended up in the house of Potiphar. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Now, Joseph was a hard worker, and he quickly became promoted 
Uh, Potiphar saw this hard work and promoted him in charge of his entire estate, in charge of everything. Now, Joseph was also not just a hard worker, but the Bible tells us he was very good looking. And those good looks caught the eye of Potiphar's wife. And she propositioned this young man. Again, he's a teenager. She propositioned him every day, and every day Joseph rejected her invitations. Angry, she falsely accuses him, and he's thrown into jail for doing the right thing. And it was there in prison that God began to work on this young man's heart. So the next thing we looked at was his chastening, his chastening by God. Now, Joseph certainly had a lot to be bitter about, didn't he? His brothers who sold him as a slave, Potiphar's wife who falsely accuses him of rape, and also God, right, for allowing it all to happen. But when we look at things in the proper perspective, if we look at those through the eyes of God, this just meant that Joseph had a lot of offenders to forgive, didn't it? Amen? That's what it really boiled down to, is that Joseph had a lot of offenders to forgive. Now, God allowed Joseph to stay in jail for quite a few years as he continued to work upon this young man. Joseph was about 30 years old when he was finally released. And in a way that only God could, upon his release, he's promoted to prime minister of England or uh, of, of Egypt. Prime minister of Egypt, that means he was only one rung below Pharaoh himself. That made him the second most powerful man in the entire world. Amen? So, during this seven-year famine, Joseph was in charge of uh, dispersing all the food to the neighboring countries as they would come up. So when his brothers came up looking to buy food, they had to go before Joseph. Now, for most of us, this would have been our time for revenge, right? This would have been our time for payback, but not for Joseph. God had transformed this young man's heart. God had conformed Joseph into the image of Christ. His anger was now changed to love. His bitterness was changed to joy. And his resentment was changed to mercy and grace. Amen? Joseph broke down in tears tears of joy, and he hugged those very brothers that he longed to see all those years as God was working upon his heart in prison. Amen? So this morning, I kind of want to pick up there. Now that we've seen it in action, we need to apply it to our lives. Amen? It's great to see forgiveness in action. It's great to talk about forgiveness and, and read all the scripture verses about forgiveness but it means absolutely nothing unless we apply it and live it. Amen? So let's kind of look at that. Now that we've, you know, we've seen Joseph's example, let's, let's see how we can apply it. And the first thing that we need to do is when we are hurt by somebody. Amen? When we are offended, when we are hurt by somebody, we don't let anyone know what happened. Skip ahead to Genesis chapter 45. We're going to skip ahead, Genesis 45, verse 1. 
Joseph's brothers came before him to, to buy needed food during this incredible famine. And let's see what happened. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Why did Joseph do this? Well, we need to understand that Joseph wanted to make sure that no one else would ever know what his brothers had done to him. Joseph's ultimate plan was to relocate his entire family to Egypt so that they could all be together. So he knew that no one else in Egypt needed to know what happened. How did he get there? What were these brothers there for? What, what did they do to him? Now we have to remember that Joseph, he was a hero in Egypt. Amen? They had this, this seven years of famine that he had prepared them to get through. And not only prepared them as a nation, but stored enough food for all the neighboring countries so that they could come up and buy food from Egypt. He was an absolute hero, and he was highly regarded throughout the entire country. If the Egyptians found out what his brothers had done, they would hate them and absolutely despise them. But Joseph wanted his brothers to be revered and highly thought of just as he was. Amen? So he made sure that no one knew what happened to him. This is exactly the way God forgives us. Amen? In the 103rd Psalm, verse 12, God says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. East and west are in complete opposite directions, amen? If you talk to scientists and, 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 and geologists, they'll explain that east goes in that direction for eternity. And west goes in the opposite direction for how far and how long? Forever and eternity. So that's the picture that God is trying to show us, that he has removed our sins in the complete opposite direction, and they will never come back to us. Amen? That's the way that he forgives us. In Micah chapter 7, verse 19, he will again have compassion on us, and he will subdue our sins, our iniquities. You, God, will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Amen? Praise God for that, that he chooses never to remember our sins ever again. He buries them in his sea of forgetfulness. Remember, we talked about, you know, we heard the phrase forgive and forget. It's an impossibility, right? We can never forget what happened. God doesn't, he doesn't forget all the sins that we've committed. He knows exactly every horrible sin that we've ever committed. He just chooses not to remember. Amen? He chooses to bury them in his sea of forgetfulness. Not only will he not remember our sins, but he will also never, ever reveal them to anyone. That's the important part. How would we feel if, if God listed all of our sins up on this big board behind me? 
be pretty embarrassed, wouldn't we? Amen? We'd feel pretty betrayed. We'd feel pretty hurt if others found out all the things that we've ever done. There's a lot of things that God knows about me that I would not want anyone else to know. Amen? That's just being honest. I'd be embarrassed and ashamed. But praise God, you're never going to know any of it. Nah, 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 nah. None of it. Amen? Because he's never going to share it. However, our knee-jerk response is to immediately tell someone what that person did to us, isn't it? The moment we're hurt, our knee-jerk response is to go find somebody and tell them exactly what happened. Tell them exactly what that person did. Why? It's for revenge. For punishment. It's for payback, right? Our tongue is our favorite and most used weapon. Amen? We tell every dirty, ugly detail to make that person look bad. And then we tell ourselves, that's what they deserve, right? That's what they get. That's what they had coming to them. That's what we believe. But that's not the way God operates. Amen? Joseph, he allowed God to work in his heart. He allowed God to mold him into the image of Christ. And the way that Joseph forgave his brothers was the same way that Jesus forgave his disciples. Think back through the Gospels. When Jesus was arrested, what did they all do? They all deserted him. They scattered. They went into hiding. And after his crucifixion, what did they do? They all went into hiding. They were all huddled together in a room. They deserted him, and after he was crucified, they went into hiding. Why? It was a combination of two things. They were both scared, but they were also ashamed of their behavior. They were ashamed that they deserted him. And as they were hiding out, we read in the Gospels that Jesus appears to them, and what is the first thing that he says to them? Peace. Amen? Peace be with you. Why? Because he had completely forgiven them. And he wanted them to know it. He said, there's no need to be afraid. There's no need to fear. I've forgiven you. Peace be with you. Let's be honest. We all have skeletons in our closet, right? Some are known. You know, we share a lot of our past, or some of our past, I should say, as part of our testimony, don't we? This is where I was, and, and this is where God has taken me, through His Son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. You know, sometimes we, we share some of those uh, skeletons as part, as our, uh, part of our testimony, but the truth is, most of those skeletons in our closet are unknown. Amen? And it's such a wonderful comfort and such a burden lifted to know that God has forgiven every single one of them. Amen? And that means that he is never going to tell anyone 
what he knows about any of us. Amen? Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Amen? God forgives us, and he doesn't tell anyone what happened, and therefore we need to forgive that person who hurt us and not tell anyone what happened either. Amen? Second thing that we need to do is also don't allow anyone to be afraid or intimidated by us. This is a hard one. This is where our pride really gets puffed up. Amen? Joseph revealed himself to his brothers with tears and compassion. The last thing that he wanted was for them to fear him. He was in a position of great authority, wasn't he? He could have intimidated them to no end. He could have made them shake in their sandals for the rest of their lives. But that's not what he wanted. That was the last thing that he wanted. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 45. Let's look at verse 2. After he chased everyone out of the room, he revealed himself to his brothers, and he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. Why? Because they were scared to death. Amen? They feared for their very lives. They knew what they had done to him. They conspired to kill him if the oldest brother didn't step in and say, wait a minute, let's not kill him, let's, let's just sell him as a slave. But they knew what they had done. They ruined this young man's life. And they were scared to death. And if we fail to forgive those who hurt us, we get a sense of, you know, uh, you know that, that, that sixth sense of pleasure knowing that they're intimidated, don't we? It feels good when someone hurts us and, and we see them coming the other way and they lock eyes with us and, and they go out of their way to avoid us. It feels good to our flesh when that happens. Knowing that, you know, they're filled with anxiety. They're filled with fear, not wanting to, to, to come into contact us. And what do we say to ourselves? Good. They should be afraid of me for what they did to me, right? That's the flesh. What that simply means is that my heart is full of bitterness. That's all that that means. 1 John 4.18, what did that tell us? There is no fear in what? Love. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves what? Torment. Torment to the other person. We intimidate them. We want them to be in fear. And that fear involves torment. But walking after the flesh... I like it 
when my, when my offender's intimidated by me, when they're afraid of me. It's payback for all that they did to me, right? It's what I feel they deserve. But here's the heart of the matter. Here's, here's the truth that we need to understand. When we want people to be in all of us, whether it's out of fear and intimidation, when we want them to be afraid of us, where does that truly come from? That comes from our own fear and insecurity, right? We try to act rough and tough on the outside in order to keep people from really knowing who we are, from really knowing how insecure we are ourselves. We put up that tough exterior, and we won't let people in. Think about Christ the King of kings, the Lord of lords, almighty God himself. Yet one of his most attractive characteristics is what? His humility and his meekness. Amen? He never once tried to create an, you know, an aura of all about himself. It was the complete opposite. He didn't put himself on a pedestal and, you know, chase the little peasants away from him, did he? No, he sat in the middle of the people and said, let the children come unto me. Don't chase them away. He went to the common everyday people. And Joseph emulated those very qualities and characteristics of Christ into his own life. He was the second most powerful man in the entire world just below Pharaoh. He could have made his brothers absolutely bow at his feet in complete fear. He could have pounded on his chest and puffed out his chest and intimidated them. He could have thrown his dream back in their face, couldn't he? Remember his dreams? He told him, he said, one day you're going to bow down before me. And he could have thrown it right back in, his, in their face and said, see, I told you so. Isn't that our favorite phrase? I told you so. But he didn't. Because that wasn't how he felt. Amen? He didn't feel as if he were above them. He had no desire for them to be in awe of him. No desire for them to be afraid of him. Instead, what did he say to them? He told them, come close to me. He desired to be loved rather than admired. Amen? Romans chapter 8 verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Amen. Abba is a great word. Abba is Aramaic for that tender word that we would say, Daddy. Abba, Father. Daddy, Father. Once God forgives us, he doesn't want us to be afraid of him. Amen? 
He gave us his Holy Spirit so that we could know and we could feel his love and we could know that we've been accepted as sons and daughters. He said that we are joint heirs with Christ. Joint means what? It means equal. That he fully accepts us into his family as sons and daughters. He wants us to know his fatherly tenderness. To know him as our daddy. And yet at the same time not lose sight of his amazing glory. Amen. What Joseph wanted for his brothers is exactly what Jesus wants for us. Towards himself and the Father. John 14, 19. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Because he and the Father are what? One in the same. Amen? One in the same. Joseph didn't want them to feel one ounce of fear. The very same desire that Jesus has for us. Amen? He doesn't want us to be in fear of him. Yes, we need to reverence him. We need to understand his glory, and his majesty, but he doesn't want us in fear of him. Amen? He wants us to be at peace in his presence. When he appeared to his disciples, he didn't say, how could you have run away and abandoned me? Did he? He said, peace be with you. And then later on, John chapter 20, verse 21. Jesus said again to them, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. <clears throat> Why? Because there is no fear in love. Love casts out fear. It casts out all that torment, all that intimidation. No fear in love. Amen? The third thing that we need to do as we apply forgiveness in our own lives, as we want them to forgive themselves as well and not feel guilty. Right? This is a truth that God stresses in his word. As a Christian... We must know, not just up here, but where? Know in our heart. Amen? Know it and accept that our sins, every single one of them, whether in the past, the present, or the future, all of our sins, every single one of them, know that they have all been forgiven and covered under the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? God wants us to live in his peace, not in fear. Not in, you know, are they all forgiven? You know, what about this one? What about that one? We could never live that way. Amen? We could never live worrying whether we were saved or unsaved. Whether all of our sins were forgiven or not. 
We're not to walk around in fear every day wondering if we've been forgiven. We need to know it, accept it, etch it in our heart. If we're covered by the blood of Christ, we have been forgiven. Amen. Going back to Genesis 45, let's skip down to verse 5. Let's actually go back to verse 4. And Joseph said to his brothers, please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. You see what Joseph did? You see how he let them off the hook? How he frees them. And how he eases their minds. He shows them God's plan for why he suffered. Amen? And we need to see and we need to understand that truth as well. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. We ended with this. A few uh, messages ago. We know that all things. We know where up here or here. Here, right? We know all things work together for good to those who love God. All things, not just the good things, right? We in our flesh, we only comprehend most of the time when, when good things work together for our good. It's hard for us to see when things are going horrible, when we're in that valley, when we're struggling, that even those things are working together, that God is working behind the scenes, putting all those things together for our benefit. Amen? All things work together for good to those who love God. Do you believe that in your heart today? Amen? God is the master of turning evil into good, isn't he? From turning heartaches into hallelujahs. True forgiveness removes our desire to see the one who hurt us feel guilty for what they did to us. The same way that God has let us off the hook, we must do the same. Amen? Not tell anybody what happened. Not intimidate them and make them uh, uh, be in fear of us for what they did to us. And removed their guilt from themselves. Allow them to forgive themselves for what they did. And even if they don't, guess what? We still let them off the hook. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Amen? And we need to do the same.